The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Wanted that I, wanted, I was supporting them. Warning. The program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material. This is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. And now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. That's open the wind. Kick it in. Here I am. Surprise, motherfucker. Surprise, motherfuckers. And welcome to the Adam Sank Show. We are live. If you're listening live at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, February 5th, 2022, if you're listening at dnrstudios.com or the DNR Cast app, Chad, our newest subscriber, this show goes out to you, and we hope that you successfully uh, cleared up your technical difficulties and can listen live. If so, give us a call on the Ass Hotline, 804-TALK-ASS. Uh, this is the only place to hear the podcast live and throughout the week that it first airs. If you listen somewhere else, leave me your ratings and reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. Email me your dick pics or anything else at adam at adamsank.com. Small, 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 and speak to us live, like I just said, at 804-TALK-ASS. Like the Facebook page, download the comedy albums, get your official ass merchandise. It's all waiting for you at adamsank.com. And please get vaccinated if you haven't already done so. If you refuse to get vaccinated, turn off this podcast right now and listening, listen to fucking Joe Rogan instead. I'm having a hard time speaking today. Uh, you guys, this is exciting. We've had uh, Broadway stars on this show. We've had actors, singers, activists. But today we have our first ever Olympic athlete. And not only is he our first athlete, he was the first ever openly gay Olympian. He is four-time bronze medal winning equestrian Robert Dover. And we'll be speaking to him a little later in the hour. But first, I need to introduce our guest co-host. And I know you're thinking, guest co-host? Steve's only been on the show for fucking three weeks. He's already <laughs> taking vacation? <laughs> yes, he is. So filling in for him is uh, one of our favorite fill-ins. Uh, the long-haired, giant kangaroo, all the way from Dananda. It's Damien Kay, everyone. Hello. Hello. Ooh, that sounds. I was I was going to suggest that you introduce me as not British Damien because I think people think I'm British. Yes, we we have had another uh, British person on this show from time to time, and um, the listeners have said on the Adam Sanctual Facebook page that they love when he guest hosts, and Damien is convinced that they're really talking about Damien. I, I, they're confusing <laughs> the English guy with I the hope, Aussie guy. Otherwise, I thoroughly <laughs> embarrassed. Yes. Oh, we don't say his name anymore, by the way. Exactly. Um, Damien, you don't like us to use your last name when we introduce you, but you just go by Damien K. What, what's the mystery of well, that? Doesn't that sound, doesn't that sound like better than my full, my full name sounds very formal. And I always think uh, I'm in trouble with my mother. Yes. Well, you probably <laughs> Thank are. Thank you. That's why I tell people call me JB. You understand. You get it. Uh, You're a good you spirit. You and me, JB. I understand. And <laughs> Pipe down, spirit. Jordan. I, I haven't introduced you. Oh, my God. I, don't, <laughs> I can't believe he did that. I, I also just, I don't, 
I'm not. I don't need the attention that you need. I need so, so much attention. Yeah. It's true. Um, also with us is the uh, man you just heard. Don't call him Jordan Bercy. Call him JB and the Queen of Fuckery. Hola, cómo estás? Oh my goodness. The, the levels were all fucked up uh, this morning because last night some piece of shit used the studio and fucked with everything and didn't uh, put it back the way it should be. So as a result, for us to sound normal, the sound levels in my ears are like ear shattering. <laughs> my, my ears are bleeding. Like, yeah. But yeah, hopefully we sound... a little high today. I don't know why. Not only uh, is I'm the audio high, high, but so is JB. No. I, mean, I woke up late today and get to smoke my morning J. I just like... <gasps> uh, Ran straight from the train station. I think I was going to make the train. Mm. I missed it, by well, the way. Uh, so today's show will either be much better or much worse. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, motherfucker. Um, oh, it says here we have a new review from Master Pearson. Have I read that already? I feel like that was last week. I think we do have another new review um, from someone named... Master Pearson. Didn't you meet Master Pearson at the Eagle last night? I probably did. Oh, Master Pearson. Mm, yeah. I, I may have gone to the Eagle last night. That's all we'll say about that. Okay. So here's what Master Pearson says. Five stars. Our weekend listen. Love working out or making breakfast to this show. Always a blast. Always great tea spilled. And still sincere and heartfelt. Keep going, guys. Oh, five stars? He definitely didn't meet you last night. How dare you? <laughs> I I hope he's filming naked and would send me pictures of him cooking naked. Thank you very much. Please send oh. JB Master Pearson your I picture him like just like big leather daddy, like making scrambled eggs. Oh yeah. For yeah. JB. And, and listening to it. us. Down for it. Um okay. Uh we also got a voicemail uh this week Uh-oh. from Jeff in Palm Springs. And this is kind of hilarious because um he's responding to a show, a Derek and Romaine episode that I did back in December. Over the holidays, they had uh, a, a bunch of DMs. It wasn't a takeover because they were oh. there with me. Oh, the holiday special. The holiday okay. special. And I was talked to them for an hour, and we talked about this documentary I recommended called The Search for General Tsao, which is about the history of American Chinese food. Anyway, Jeff just left this voicemail a few days ago, uh, so he's a little behind. But here is Jeff in Palm Springs. Hi, Adam and co-host. This is Jeff in Palm Springs. I am a little bit behind in my time shift listening, but I just wanted to say thanks, Adam, for uh, such a great episode where you crossed over with Derek and Romaine over the holidays in December. I was just looking up the documentary you were discussing with Derek and Romaine called The Search for General Tsao, and the trailer looks so interesting. I'd never heard of it before, and what you were discussing about the origins or mysterious clues to origins behind Americanized Chinese food was super interesting. Um, I apologize if this probably does not fit into whatever you've been talking about on uh, your agenda for today's show, but I just wanted to call and say thanks. Uh, We are listening and uh, the documentary is not included in Amazon Prime Video right now. It's only available for sale or rent. Too much information. But uh, I did add it to my watch list, so hopefully it will uh, come back up for free sometime soon so I can check it out. Thanks, and uh, keep up the good work. Have a good day on the ass. I'm so proud of you for having a fan. I have a fan. What the hell is that? It's the season of giving on the ass. Here in my glass eye. But you did remind me, we are doing a DNR takeover 
like in two weeks. Yes, so that was uh, the uh, the coda to all that is that Steve Cesaro and I will be taking over the DNR show very shortly. So stay tuned uh, if you're a Derek and Romaine subscriber, as you should be. I think it's on the 15th. I think it is too. I think it's February 15th. I have a double check, but yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a Tuesday. It is. Tuesday the 15th yeah. is when we'll be taking over at 5 o'clock on Derek and Romaine. It'll be Steve's first time taking over DNR, so that'll be exciting. But anyway, thank you, Jeff. Better late than never. I, I, it does perplex me that people are so behind in their listening because I feel like we discuss topical things every week. And by the time people are hearing them, it's like, <laughs> oh, that? I forgot about that. Um, but anyway, I appreciate anyone who listens and especially anyone who reaches out. So thanks, Jeff. Um, let's quickly do recommended viewing. Take it away, Gail. I hate this segment. Who gives a fuck what anyone else is watching on TV? This shit sucks. Thank you, Gail. So I meant to recommend this uh, two weeks ago. It was on the rundown, and I just <clears throat> forgot because I was so excited talking about the documentary Cheer. Um, I'm recommending the second season of We Are Here on HBO Max. This is the series where three drag queens, Eureka, Shangela, oh, and Bob the Drag Queen, go to small-town America, and they basically um, meet and get to know queer people who are sort of marginalized wherever they're living, and then they put on a drag show with them. And it is so good. It's so heartwarming. There is at least one point at every episode that I start bawling, usually more than one. It is really good, and it doesn't feel contrived. Like no. It feels real. Um, and it's really, really well done. It's beautifully produced. And, you know, the premise is sort of drag can save the world, which sounds ridiculous. But when you watch it, you're like, drag really can save the world. You know, like it, there is something magical mm -hmm. about um, becoming someone new, mm -hmm. but also letting your inner self shine exactly. through that costume, that makeup, exactly. that, and, and being bold. Mm -hmm. And then having your community rally and show up for you and cheer while you're doing that. There's very empowering and and people learn and evolve in the process particularly in conservative areas it's just really heartwarming to see and i think a lot of people can can relate to the story yes and those three queens are really it, it's well cast because well it's not cast, just that right. they're great drag queens they're they're all very sensitive and smart and yeah. kind of wise yeah especially shangela and bob yeah my god so anyway uh season two if you didn't watch season one mm -hmm. that's available too it's on hbo max it's called we are here damien what do you recommend oh this my week? God. I, I mean i'm just obsessed with succession i i don't know if you've talked about succession before but i just i i love it the third i the third uh, season was just launched. It is just so clever. And, of course, I've worked in those environments before, so I think it feels particularly relevant to me. But it is just so clever and funny. So funny. See, I watched the first and second season. No. Oh, yeah. Sorry. And I was into it. But then I started season three, and I found myself feeling like, I don't know that I care anymore about any of these characters or what's going to happen next. It, it almost started to feel exhausting to me but i know oh. i know i'm in the minority oh. everyone else loves season yeah, three no, I, I really just love it the yeah. the performances are fantastic so especially good. my favorite is kieran culkin yeah, he's so i good. love him on that show i want to be him get a little closer to the mic Dan. sorry uh jb anything to recommend uh okay yes i feel like i i, I recommended this first one before but uh disenchanted it's like if Disney princesses were real people, <laughs> and she's just a big fuck up. 
and I'm here for it. I think I do um, remember this. Yeah. Okay. And then the I, I watched this other thing by uh, Wanda Sykes. She produced it. It's called The Upshaws. I didn't think I would like it. But it's actually really good. The Upshot? No, The Upshaws. Oh. So yeah, like U-P-S-H-A-W-N-S, huh. Upshaws. It's about a family, it's about black family trying to work together while the husband gets up to fuck her. Like, as in cheats, um, has another baby, you know, all that good stuff. Who's on it? Uh, Wanda Sykes, Michael Epps, only two names I can remember. Who's on on Disenchanted? I don't know. I don't remember, but it was created by the same guy who made The Simpsons. Oh, Uh, Matt Matt Groening. Yes. Wow. It's uh, disenchanted. Sounds like remember that SNL um, skit, The Real Housewives of Disney. Yes, that was oh, hilarious. Yes. So good. That's what I'm picturing too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we're going to get into the news, and there were two stories that sort of captivated me this past week. I'm a sucker for anything involving the media and scandal and so-called cancel culture. So um, for me, the two most important things that have happened since the last time we were on the air is Joe Rogan and the whole Spotify. Uh, controversy, and then Whoopi Goldberg and her Holocaust controversy. So let's start with Joe Rogan. Um, So Joe Rogan, you know, is perhaps the most popular podcaster in the world. He's got, uh, I think, over 10 million regular listeners. And, uh, you know, Joe Rogan was a stand-up comedian, and then he was an actor and stand-up comedian, and at first, I think his podcast was fairly innocuous. But over the years, he's become increasingly steeped in conspiracy theories, uh, particularly right-wing conspiracy theories. And over the last two years, he's become one of the leading voices in the anti-vax, anti-mask, everything you're hearing about COVID is a lie, like that whole movement. And... um there really hasn't been anything done about this. Now, Joe Rogan has an exclusive contract with Spotify worth like $100 million. They're the only ones that host his podcast, and they obviously are making a ton of money from it as well. Um, and Neil Young, legendary rock star Neil Young, stood up this past week and said, you can either have my music on Spotify or you can have Joe Rogan, but you can't have both. And Spotify you know, basically said, we don't give a shit. And so Neil Young took all of his music off of Spotify. That was then followed by Joni Mitchell and Crosby, Crosby, Stills and Nash and India Ari. And at one point we thought Barry Manilow, but that turned out to be a rumor. We were all cheering Barry Manilow for pulling his music off. And then he released a statement and said, uh, no, that's not true. Um, also Mary Trump, the president's mm-hmm. niece, who is frequently outspoken against him and what an insane piece of shit he is. She pulled her podcast off of Spotify. And this had an impact. Spotify's value dropped. Um, multitudes of people canceled their subscriptions. There was a delete Spotify movement. And as a result, Spotify agreed to start every show of Joe Rogan's or any podcast that discusses COVID with like a warning label basically saying like, oh, the claims on this may not be true. Talk to doctors, trust health authorities, et cetera. And then Joe Rogan himself recorded an explanation slash apology of sorts. It was a 10-minute long thing where he tried to make himself sound very reasonable. And he was like, listen, I don't have all the answers. I'm, I just want to have a lively discussion. We've had people on from both sides of this issue. Um, you know, the fact is the science is changing. If I had gone on the air 
um, a year ago and said cloth masks do not work, everybody would have screamed at me for spreading misinformation, but now the leading health authorities agree that cloth, ma cloth masks don't work. He basically made himself sound very reasonable and sort of innocent of any wrongdoing. So then uh, a Twitter user, and I'm sorry I don't have his name because he deserves tremendous credit, he took that apology and he chopped it up and put it against clips from Joe Rogan. Do you mean the recount? That yes, handle, yes, recount. the recount did it. Thank you, JB. And they juxtaposed sound bites from this apology to sound bites from the actual show to show you what a fucking liar he is and the fact that he, this is not just innocent discussion and exploration of views. This is misinformation that is leading to death and to the continued spread of COVID. So I want you to take a listen. It's a little confusing to listen to it because without the visual – uh, it, it it cuts very quickly, but you can tell the apology video from the show video. Take a listen. The podcast has been accused of spreading dangerous misinformation. If you're like 21 years old and you say to me, should I get vaccinated? I, I go, no. I do not know if they're right. I don't know because I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. Especially now when, when yeah. people are talking about actual microchips being injected into your arm to see if you have COVID-19. I'm just a person who sits down and talks to people and has conversations with them. Ivermectin alone, if properly utilized, is capable of driving this pathogen to extinction. But I try to correct them. So if you're in a high-risk area, you take it and it's it'll protect you. Again, I'm not trying to promote misinformation. And they're trying to say the children need it. When they don't, they don't need it. So if I pissed you off, I'm sorry. The podcast has been... So, yeah, I mean... Ugh. It's just such bullshit. It's bullshit. The, the, the biggest, I think, the, the disease in society that's most dangerous right now is narcissism. And the, the biggest, the, the way to get the biggest ratings is to be on the right and have controversial views. And conspiracy theories. And conspiracy theories. That's right. So these people are, they are total narcissists. They just want the attention. And, and the money. They, and the money. They've monetized misinformation. Right. And rage. Right. They, all they care about are themselves. That's right. He knows that fucking ivermectin totally. isn't an effective treatment, and yet totally. he'll have on this so-called expert who says it is, and he won't challenge him, and he won't have another doctor on the show to say, no, no, ivermectin is a horse dewormer. Right. It has no uh, practical application in human beings, and it certainly doesn't kill COVID. Right, and all of this imbroglio is going to bring him even more listeners. Of course. So, you know... I was cheering, obviously, those artists who have removed their podcast. Uh, it was pointed out to me by some cunty listener that this podcast is also on Spotify. And I assured him that I have never made a penny from Spotify and that, honestly, I think we've got like five listeners. Yeah. If someone oh. listened to you on Spotify, it might be a different story. Well, here, no one does. <laughs> Certainly, I haven't made any money from my albums being on Spotify. Right. I can promise you that. I, the only money I've ever made from my comedy albums... And it hasn't been a lot of money, but it's something, is when it gets played on Sirius XM Raw Dog, uh, which it does a lot. They're very kind to me over there. But record companies never paid me a cent for either album because that's a whole other story. But anyway, I will pull it off Spotify. I, I, I kind of – I want to make this announcement. Um, I stand in solidarity with these other artists, and even though it's not going to have any impact on Spotify – um, I'm, I'm going to stop publishing this podcast to Spotify. So if you listen on Spotify – um, I apologize, but there's a million other ways you can hear this for free. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, um, 
Podomatic. There's a ton of different sites. Just type in the Adam Sank Show in Google and pick another way of um, of listening because, again, it's not going to make a big impact. I looked back and over – since 2017 when we started this, there's been 3,000 Spotify listens. That's a fraction of the 230,000 that, that we've gotten overall. So, But still – because the situation, here, here's what's at risk, right? If you look at countries like Canada, Australia, UK, that are you know, similar uh, socioeconomically to the US, uh, got vac- vaccines later, 93 95% of people are vaccinated. In the US, 63%. That's the, the campaign for disinformation has been It's had that a very good. real impact, and yes. people have died. Yes. People have died because of Joe Rogan's words, yes. a lot of them. And by the way, a reach of 10 million, that's more than any nightly news show. That's yeah. more than Fox News yep. gets at any given moment, MSNBC, CNN, combined. Yep. He is one of the most powerful voices in the world. So for him to just be able to continuously spout lies that lead to death with no consequences. And then, of course, the free speech crowd on the right came out and said, he has a right to say what he wants to say. Yes, he does. He does not have a right to a platform. Right. You know, the Constitution doesn't guarantee you a platform. Right. You know, I wonder if these people, because, again, the, the misinformation in the black people's side, it's real crazy. So here's, here's how crazy it gets. So they believe the coronavirus is created by the white man. Yeah. Because you guys cannot hold melanin in your complexion. So you are diseased and cursed. <laughs> and I'm just like, where is the science that proves this? Where where are you getting information from? It just JB, is there like, like a is there racism. like a central source of information in the black community where there, this is coming there's from? There's different sources. So I've talked to many different people because again, well, I get some of my drugs from my from my store down the block. So you meet a lot of interesting characters and you want to have conversations with them because then like you said earlier, you can't believe people are this fucking stupid. Right, right. But they fucking are. So there's this YouTube channel called Bro Sanchez TV that talks about how diseases aren't real and your body that you're living in is not a real thing. This life is not real. I'm just like... <laughs> and to Damien's point, the only reason these people are saying these things is because they've found that it gets them a lot of Attention. listeners yeah, and, and viewers and money. It's, it's monetizing... Stupidity and ignorance. It's crazy. And rewarding narcissism. Right. Yeah. There's also in the black community a legitimate distrust of doctors and health authorities because of a history of medical racism. Yes. So that part I understand. Totally. And uh, and you take advantage of that by saying misinformation and shit like that. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) A fly just (laughs) got in JB's face. I've also had a fly infestation in my apartment and it's kind of like. In the wintertime? Yes. All right, we'll talk about this another time. Uh, I want to move on, but I just want to say, fuck Joe Rogan. Um, I want to see every major artist pull their material off of Spotify. I want these people stopped. We have to stop giving platforms to people who are destroying this country and killing lives. Now we move on to Whoopi Goldberg, who I've always loved. She was on The View. They were discussing this children's graphic novel called Mouse, M-A-U-S, that was banned uh, by a Tennessee school board. It teaches the Holocaust to kids. And it's a very um, sort of dark and provocative book for children. Um, At one point, there's a naked mouse with tits, and that was one of the things they objected to. But basically, the, the, the scary part of this is, once again, the right wing is trying to 
re-educate or uneducate our children about atrocities of the past, including slavery, lynching, the Holocaust, Jim Crow, all the things that have happened in the world that have been perpetrated by the right and by white people, it, they want to erase it, which is how these movements come to power again and again and again as they erase the past. So they were having this discussion and Whoopi was saying all the right things and she was on the right side of it. But then suddenly Whoopi started seizing on a point, a very fine and nuanced point about whether the Holocaust was about racism or not. Take a listen. This, then let's be truthful about it because the Holocaust isn't about race. No. No, it's well, not about maybe race. Maybe it is. Well, no, it's, it's about a different race. But it's it's not about race. It's not about well, race. What is it about? Because you, it's about man's inhumanity to man. That's what it's about. But it's about white supremacy. It's well, about but it's not, it's not about and, ideal and race. It's it's not but these are two Romans. white groups of people. Well, how do we have to black people see too. them as white? And they, but you're missing the point. You're yeah. missing the point. Yeah. The minute you turn it into race, it goes down this alley. Let's talk about it for what it is. It's how people treat each other. So the Holocaust is about man's inhumanity to man, but it also very specifically is about race because Adolf Hitler was a racist. His whole ideology, his driving uh, force in terms of everything he did was that these white Germanic peoples that he called Aryans were pure, mm -hmm. and anyone who wasn't Aryan, including Jews, Poles, people of color, uh, uh, people with disabilities, homosexuals, right. artists. They're all, they were all of an inferior race and needed to be exterminated. And in, using that ideology, he did exterminate 6 million Jews and 5 million others. Um, so it's not racism in the way we talk about racism in, a, in, a, in 2022, but it, it was a racist ideology and it was very much about race in terms of the driving force behind the evil that was done. Yeah. And, Whoopi should have known that. Whoopi's a smart, educated person. Um, I, I, I don't understand why she, this making this point was so important to her. But in any case, there was massive backlash, massive, almost universal backlash. And then uh, Whoopi came on the air and apologized. Take a listen. I tweeted about it last night, but I, I kind of want you to hear it from me directly. I said something that I feel a responsibility for not leaving unexamined because my words upset so many people, which was never my intention. And I understand why now. And for that, I am deeply, deeply grateful because the information I got was really helpful and helped me understand some different things. And while discussing how a Tennessee school board unanimously, unanimously voted to remove a graphic novel about the Holocaust, I said that the Holocaust wasn't about race and it was instead about man's inhumanity to man but it is indeed about race because hitler and the nazis considered jews to be an inferior race now words matter and mine are no exception i regret my comments as i said and i stand corrected i also stand with the jewish people as they know and y'all know because i've always done that no for me that's good enough yeah. I was perfectly happy with that apology as a, as a Jewish person, as someone who um, cares about oppressed peoples. I felt like she was sincere and heartfelt and said all the right things. And after coming on the air and saying that, NBC suspended her for two weeks from The View.
is, to give her time to think and reflect. I, I just, it, it, this is happening more and more, and it's it's just it is it's wrong because we evolve as a society because we all make mistakes and we all learn from them. And you have to judge someone by how they how they how they uh, you know resolve things after the mistake is made. And in this moment, she owned it. She got a lot of attention to the issue. She educated herself. She educated other people. And we're, we're able to move on. But instead, we're demonizing the mistake. Like, if you make a mistake, you're going to get canceled. You make a mistake, you're going to get punished. Yes. And, and the reason I wanted to contrast that with Joe Rogan mm. is because Joe Rogan is spreading information every single day that's literally killing people. It's premeditated. It's not a mistake. And he's not owning it. Right. And he and Spotify just lets him keep mm -hmm. on going. He doesn't exactly. get suspended for a day. Exactly. Whoopi Goldberg, a black, well, thank you, a black this woman. And again, NBC is not Spotify. They have different standards. They're different kinds of companies. But Whoopi Goldberg says something not hateful, not leading to death, right. just misinformed, just right. wrong. Right. And then owns up to it fully and apologizes and she gets suspended for two weeks it seems like such a gross overreaction what about megan fucking mccain thank you <laughs> who thank spouted you. the most hateful ignorant uneducated bullshit on that show for years i don't remember her ever being suspended a day or certainly ever apologizing i, I really don't understand this and i get that jews are a powerful uh force in this country even though we're a tiny minority um, and, you know, we're, we, especially when it comes to the media, there's probably a lot of higher ups at NBC who are Jewish and felt took great offense at this. But again, Whoopi wasn't saying like she wasn't defending Hitler. Right. She wasn't defending the Nazis or trying to justify any of the atrocities that were done. She was making a very nuanced point about what racism is and what it isn't. It was misguided, but it wasn't she wasn't trying to 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 be hateful or hurtful in any way. And also she was talking about racism from her point of view. Because I understood what she was talking about. Yeah. It's a very it's a very complicated thing to say, say what she said. I understood what she was saying, but then I understood what other people say. You can't say that. But I understood because we understand what racism is, and that's real fucked up. Right. And it's real fucked up to see what we like, again, it's like seeing Oprah punished. These these women do nothing but good in the world. And it's like, what the fuck? I it's And, and you know, it's um, it, we all make mistakes. We all misspeak. We all do. Right. And when that happens, you own it, you sincerely apologize, you make amends, you evolve, and you help others evolve. And that's exactly what happened, and yet NBC still punished her. So it's saying, you make a mistake like that, that's it. I had, an, so, I had someone on my Facebook page comment uh, something very smart. He said, rather than suspending Whoopi, what about if they kept Whoopi on the show, and for the next two weeks, every day they, they explored the Holocaust? And they showed their viewers like what actually happened and how it evolved, and and maybe draw some parallels yeah. to what's happening today. Exactly. When the Republican Party calls January sixth legitimate political action, right? You know that that harkens back to the Reichstag burning. Yep. Um, so I think that would be far more effective than just muzzling Whoopi for exactly. saying something she's already apologized for. Um, okay.
We're trying to connect with our guest. I'm going to skip to the Australian story, which I did in part because... Is that, is that why I'm here today? Well, Damien, not only are you Australian, but you're as tall as a Wookiee. So I thought that... Uh, it'd be I'm pr- not as attractive as a Wookiee, though. Well, you have the same hair. <laughs> An Australian woman has been slammed with Chewbacca noise phone calls after her vengeful ex-boyfriend posted her phone number around her neighborhood claiming that there was a Chewbacca sound alike contest and you should call this number and do your best Chewbacca imitation and the winner gets $100. Um, Take a listen to this news report out of Queensland, Australia. Anne's mum, Jessica, dumping her cheating boyfriend. As payback, he's plastered her phone number around town advertising a Chewbacca roaring competition, promising a $100 prize for the best one. Well, I'm getting phone calls at really strange hours of the night, about 1 o'clock till 4 o'clock, eh? I thought it was quite a funny, actually. I thought it was a good joke. A good sport, Jessica is. Just pull it down, please, and, yeah, have a laugh for me, and if you want to make a phone call, go for it. I don't mind. Bring it on. (laughs) But here's the dark side. (laughs) Jessica says he's even dumped his car, tyres removed, in the driveway, blocking her in. Luckily... The force is strong in the far north. The police got in contact with me, and finally they're going to do something about it. And there's a new hope. Uh, If there's anyone out there that can do the real Chewbacca sound, I might marry you. (laughs) I thought this was the funniest fucking thing. She got no teeth. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the woman uh, is missing some teeth. Yeah, well, it, it, she, she's in an area where where teeth aren't as common, in ca- in cans, in cans in FNQ, far north Queensland. It, it, this is bogan country. Uh, if you don't know what the word bogan means, look it up. It's a great word, kind of like trailer park trash. Redneck. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, now, Damien, you would describe that those accents that we just heard as as being broad. Oh yeah. Totally. Yeah. Oh, no. Keep calling him the Chewbacca uh, impersonations. Might marry <laughs> Anyway, I mean, listen, I don't approve of stalking one's ex uh, or any kind of harassment, but this is hilarious. Yeah, the pettiness of it is hilarious. The fact that people <laughs> wanted to earn a hundred dollars is hilarious. And also the reporter talking. With all the Star Wars lingo. There's a new hype. A new hope. <laughs> Damien was telling me yesterday we were talking about Australian accents, and he said that the the accent that we Americans think of as Australian, like the Crocodile Dundee, that's not really how most Australians... Well, I mean, look, you heard it. There are people that talk that way. Right. Um, I don't talk that way, and there are others that don't talk that way. <laughs> but it's a class thing, right? Like in England. Like if, uh, where you, where you, what you sound like very much determines like where you went to school, how much money you have. Like, yeah, it's very snobby. It's, it's different in Australia because people could grow up on the same street and have completely different accents. Hmm. Um, because of, you know, where they've worked or, I guess, schools they've gone to or... Yeah, so it is it – because is, Australia tries to be classless, but, you know. Does it, not do here. either of you want to try your Chewbacca imitation? No. <laughs> not a big Star Wars fan, so no. I'm surprised, JB. I, I'm not <laughs> sure That's a goat? That's a goat. I appreciate the goat doing it. That's goat baka. <laughs> That's me ejaculating. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna, we're, by the way, we're going to use that now in the open. <laughs> Damien making a Chewbacca noise. All right. Let's get to our guest because uh, we're very excited. He is not only the first Olympic athlete we've ever had on the show. He was also the first ever openly gay Olympian. 
He's a four-time bronze medalist in the equestrian sport of dressage, and his memoir is entitled The Gates of Brilliance, How a Gay Jewish Middle-Class Kid Who Loved Horses Found Success. Here's some audio of Robert Dover making his World Cup debut back in 1994. To the freestyle dressage to music, the Making his debut at World Championship level. For the USA, Robert Dover riding Devereaux. Robert from Lebanon, uh, New Jersey. Olympic Games teams, bronze medalist in Barcelona, Devereaux, a nine year old Dutch bred uh, gelding. Shout out to Lebanon, New Jersey, and please give a warm-ass welcome to Olympic equestrian Robert Dover. <laughs> Robert, how are you? <laughs> wow. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me, Adam, and what a great uh, audience you have. Yes. I, I'm just like like amazed we have thousands of people in studio yeah 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 it's it's just great well it's great talking with you and thanks again for having me Uh, it's my pleasure i want to start with an explanation of what dressage is Um, right because to be honest the first time i ever heard the word was when mitt romney ran for president in 2008 yeah and everyone was talking about the fact that he owned dressage horses so what is it uh what's the point of it and 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 where did it come from (laughs) well so Dressage is a French word that means training. It goes Mm. back to the ancient Olympics. So our sport was one of the five sports from the ancient Olympics that was then taken forward into the modern Olympics. And what it is, is a, basically, if you can imagine all of the ice skating moves that a skater has to do, uh, and they, they then choreograph it to music in a a short and a long program, we do that on horseback. So the horses look like they're dancing. It makes it look like they're doing it of their own volition. Oh, Robert, did we lose you? I think he fell off the horse. Yeah. Robert, we lost you mid-sentence. So if you can still hear us, I don't know if uh, your mic got disconnected or something happened. Should we have him call us? No. All right. We're going to try to get Robert back on the phone. Damn it. That was a good connection, too. It was. Loud and booming and And, clear. And we were learning something. Yeah. Adam's interested in being dressaged. I I mean, listen, if you want to get on top of me, I'll dance. (laughs) I'll dance like a dressage horse. Oh, like there are people out there who haven't been on top of you. How dare you? How dare you? Shade. Um, Wow. JB's trying to get him back on the phone. Uh, I was watching Dressage, and this is one of the things I'm going to ask him. It's hard to tell what the riders are doing. It looks like they're literally just sitting on a horse motionless. But they're actually, I think, doing all sorts of intricate things with their hands on the reins, giving the horse signals. Now you should do this with your paw, with your hooves. Now you should do this. Uh, and uh, And so I think that's where the training comes in. It's teaching the horse when to go to the left. Hey, Robert, are you with us again? Yeah. Sorry about I'm that. Right we, we, yeah. You dropped right. out right in the middle of saying yeah. that you're trying – it looks like the horse is dancing. And I was just dancing. saying to the listeners, when I watch videos of you guys on horseback during the sport, it looks like you're doing very little 
but I assume you're doing That's all kinds of things with your hands on those reins. Well, you're right. And the idea of it is that it's supposed to be with invisible cues, invisible aids, they call them. And so what we're doing is using the, our weight, using how we even breathe in and you, and use the muscles in our torso as well as our legs where they're positioned. And then if they even touch the horse's sides, that, that is a cue as, as well as then how you close your hand around the reins that guides the energy around the arena. So it is quite an amazing thing. <clears throat> the horse is such um, uh, a sensitive animal that can be trained over years to do these incredible things that uh, look almost miraculous, but they are things that they do in nature. Well, it is an amazing thing to watch. I really enjoyed your book. And in reading it, I, I feel like your life has had a lot of ups and downs, mostly ups, I would say. I think in some ways you've lived such a charmed life. <clears throat> but early in the book, you revealed that you were sexually abused as a child. And I was wondering why it was important for you to include that part of your story. So, and well, thank you, first of all. And also, my book is not really, as you, when you read it, you realize it's not really pointed at or for horse people. It is a book that I'm hoping crosses over into, for instance, the gay community and that people resonate with it. And what it really is is a book of reflections on moments in my life that impacted my life. And I'm revealing those moments in order to hopefully give people who are reading it not only something they can resonate with, but also perhaps gain something in each one of the chapters that might help them to lead a more happy and successful life. That's really um, what my book was. And I use naturally the medium of my horseback riding as the way to weave the story. So um, the, the fact that I was abused as a child for about like two thirds of a year from beginning to end by a older teenager next door was something that truly impacted my life. And until I was an adult, I didn't really sit back and think too much about that. But at one point, I, I did call him as an adult. And I said, listen, you know, obviously, you're now a grown man older than me. And I have come through my life. And like you said, not maybe I wouldn't describe it as charmed, but I've had a great and happy life. But a part of that was um, impacted by you. And I told him that directly, that, you know, what he did was not a good thing. And I hope he reflected back on that part of his life as well. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I wasn't even looking for an apology. It was really just for me. Did you get one? How did he react to that? You know what? He, he, he sort of said, I'm sorry for what I did, but I have two kids 
a family, and I'm hoping that you're not going to disrupt that. All right. He made it about he him. He went into the he went into the military. <clears throat> he, you know, said that he's been really a good person all his life, mm-hmm. and he was sorry if it if it was something that uh, really hurt me. Well, I think you're very brave to confront him, and I think very. you're very brave to put it in the book, and that that will help people who have been through similar situations. Robert, you were the first openly gay Olympian. I think a lot of people, and if you asked like the average person on the street who was the first gay Olympian, they would think it was Greg Louganis yeah. or, or Brian Boitano. But you came out in 1988, way before those guys. Mm-hmm. And when I think about 88, you're talking about the height of the AIDS crisis – uh, Reagan is president. It's not a good time to be gay. Uh, not that it ever right. has been really in, in U.S. history. What inspired you to take that leap um, and and come out uh, using a national, pl- an international platform? Yeah. Well, the thing is, I had <clears throat> come out naturally to my family, to my close friends, but in team sports, in the Olympics or any other professional sports, not only was it not safe to come out, but it jeopardized your sponsorship deals. It jeopardized how you might be treated by your federation. And it also jeopardized your business because in a business where the vast majority of people that I trained and taught were female, a part of your psyche goes to this place where you have to still look like somebody that they would want somehow, if that makes sense. I think actors, I, I don't know if this ever affected you that way, Adam, at any point in your life, but I know many people in your business that, that were on stage that, that have told me that for a long time, they were really afraid to come out because it could affect their their um, positions within their culture, within their community. Right. I mean, I was, and, I was out from the first minute I walked out on stage. My whole comedy bit from the beginning was yeah. about being gay. But I also yeah. didn't have nearly uh, what you had in terms of – like you had so much to lose. You were at the Olympics. You were on a, an international yeah. stage. I was just some no-name – comic at an open mic. So what, what, what gave you the courage to do that? Well, the, so from in 84 was my first Olympics. I was not out at the Olympics. I I was, uh, it was not only my first Olympics, but it was in Los Angeles. I was so psyched to be there. And the last thing I was even thinking about was my sexuality by 88. I had been four years in international competition. I had been discriminated against in certain places around the world. It shows where, you know, I was maybe made fun of or whatever. And, but also I, at the same time, I was becoming more mature and I had just met Robert Ross in, um, the, that summer before leaving for the Olympic Your partner. Yeah, my partner and now my husband uh, of now 34 years. Mm. And I was both super in love already and 
feeling very proud of myself. So, uh, my, my own community, my equestrian community is a very progressive one. I never have felt by people within my community, uh, a lot of, of concern for how, whether or not they would be, um, forward thinking enough to embrace me if I came out. So I went ahead and during the, the first, uh, when we, we have a, a meeting of all Olympians and they want to know the U S Olympic committee wants to know that when you do a sound bite or when you're in front of the media, they want to sort of go over the, that kind of stuff with you, especially because it was going to be in Seoul, Korea. So they put all of us in a big auditorium and each one of us had 20 seconds in front of a mic at the front of the auditorium to basically say who they are. And I said that I was uh, the gay Jewish token United States Olympian for that year. And this is interesting too. So when you said Greg Luganis, in point of fact, I came out and for about a day, I was questioned by a few people in the media about that. But very soon afterwards, Greg was on the uh, diving board, hit the diving board with his head going into the pool, bled into the pool. And so my coming out story you got eclipsed. I was, yeah, completely. (laughs) Right. It's so interesting because you know what? I don't remember your coming out, but I certainly do remember the diving board. That bitch stole your thunder. Yeah, you got it. That's right. And you know, I, I have spoken with him a lot of times over the years, uh, not about that per se, but for other things, events that I asked him to help with. And he's a super nice guy. Of course, now into his dogs and other stuff, but he, um, yeah, he definitely just took over that that spot for me really quickly and for good. Motherfucker. Robert, I have a cousin who's a lesbian and an equestrian jumper, and she told me that virtually everyone in this sport is gay, men and women. Now, obviously, that's an overstatement, but do you find there's something about horsemanship <laughs> and this, the sports of dressage and jumping and riding that attracts LGBTQ people. I, I would say that it looks like that. And that, that because the sport is like I said earlier, very progressive with regards to the, how the community acts as a family. I think maybe people feel comfortable about, and especially in the, this day and age now that people are comfortable saying, yeah, I'm gay. Uh, but I would tell you that for my first Olympics, even before I came out, I got to the games thinking that I was going to be one of very, very few. And a friend of mine, Sid Ziegler, who does out sports, mm-hmm. he's always adding up and then putting it out how many gay athletes are in the summer Olympics, how many gay athletes there are now that are out in the winter Olympics this year. And point of fact, when I went to my first Olympics, I was shocked with how many gay guys and women there were in every single sport. Not just, not just in the horse sports. No, and not just in skating and not just in those sports where one thinks there that, that it's very um, elegant or artistic 
and fancy. So yes, that it is true that gays maybe um, look at the idea of dressage and think, well, that would be nice as, as a young person or, or as an adult, but also in running, in swimming, for sure in diving. Uh, it's so and, interesting. Do you think it's because we're so driven to be the best because we, because we start out being told that we're lesser and that there's something wrong with us. And so we just become overachievers and we have to be the best at everything. I think that there's something to be said for that, for sure. And I think that how we're brought up, whether we're, if we're brought up in the mountains and we start skiing, there are a lot of gay skiers and a lot of gay snowboarders now. And I think that uh, as life goes on, where it used to seem like everything was very black and white, now we see that the gray area is enormous and there's maybe a little very tiny black line and a little very slight white one at the other ends of this, at the two ends of the spectrum. I think that there are just way more there's way more fluidity within all of it. Right. Well, I think all of those out Olympians owe you a huge debt of gratitude, and I hope they know that. Uh, I don't know that, but I will tell you this. I was at um, uh, a gay pride event in Miami a few years ago with some of our mutual friends, Mm -hmm. Adam, and a young guy that was a swimmer came up to me uh, that was doing the gay swim league thing, down in down in Miami yeah. that week, and he walked up to me at Pride. He said, "I just want to thank you for paving the way for my generation." And I, part of me wanted to say, "Well, I appreciate that," and the other part of me wanted to slap him once really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I said, "You little shit." Um, all right. You know? In the time remaining, Robert, it's time to play everyone's favorite at-home quiz show. It's called "Ask Me No Questions." Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Yeah. Number one, what is your favorite breed of horse? My favorite breed of horse is, um, is any kind of German warm blood. Why? Well, they've been bred to do what we do for the last 500 years. So they're really specialized in Germany and in Holland. Very I've, specialized. I've been bred breed. for the last 500 years, too. Well, <laughs> well, I bet you prance around well, too. I do. Speaking of which, is it true that you're hung like a horse? Oh, man. I'm going to go with uh, I plead the fifth. All right. We'll or take, the ninth. We'll take that as a – oh, the ninth as in inches. Yes. Okay. In dressage, you make horses dance. How are your skills on the dance floor? I would say that I am uh, between above average and, and, and fairly good. On the dance floor. I would think so, yeah. because I would think that you would have to have balance and coordination to do what you do. Yeah, and part of putting myself through school when I was in <clears throat> uh, university was working for Arthur uh, Miller and, and, and doing dance lessons. Oh, I didn't know so, that. Yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. You're good at a lot of things, as well, well as having nine inches. You know what? Okay. <laughs> Robert, have you ever hooked up with Greg Luganis? Nope, that's a no, but I do like him, and he's a nice guy, and he's smart. Have you ever hooked up with any, you don't have to name them, have you ever hooked up with any other Olympian? Yes. That's hot. I'm, I'm hoping it was Gus Kenworthy. Um, 
you came out in the 80s. What is your favorite club song from that era? Anything from Whitney Houston. Oh. Um, you know, you know what's sad? I'm not positive whether it's 80s or 90s now, because I'm thinking it's more 90s that Whitney had most of the best songs in. But 80s, God. I, yeah, I think I'm, I'm more into the 90s if I would say Deborah Cox, too. Yes. Nobody's supposed to be here. That's 90s, right? Yep. We like all the same music. Yeah, for sure. When you were little, did you enjoy watching Mr. Ed on TV? Loved it. <laughs> Loved and it. Would, were you attracted to anything with horses? Like, were, if, if it had horses, were you just into it automatically? <clears throat> For some, we're, my, so my dad had a horse, and he, it was a parade horse. I didn't really know that when I was a kid, but... For some reason, when I was a little tiny kid, like that was just running around in my pajamas, I had a horsey pillow, my mom told me, and I would neigh and run around the house. So I guess I was basically born and bred to be a horseback rider, faded. Can you do an imitation of Mr. Ed? Nope. <laughs> Can you? Wilbur? Oh, Wilbur. Wilbur? You know, Mr. Ed was, was a little before my time. I was, I was born in 71, and so black and white TV never appealed to me. I was always like, ugh, if it's not in color, I'm not watching it. But I, I probably watched yeah. an episode or two. I did like Green Acres. I loved it, too. Which is sort of in the same yeah. genre. Um, yeah. So you mentioned your marriage to Rob, and you guys have been together for 34 years now. What is the secret to a happy, long-lasting relationship? For sure, the I think that there has to be something that is chemical that that there's a there's a kind of chemical thing that is chemistry, but it that even goes away unless communication just stays really constantly being at the forefront. So um, I feel every single day so thankful for Robert being in my life because not only is he just a wonderful, beautiful person inside and out, but I have no sense of direction whatsoever. As I say, yeah, in my you book. mentioned this in the and, book at, and, and without Robert Ross in my life, I would be still probably going around that major circle in the middle of Paris near the blood of alone, I'd be going around and around going, do I get off here? Nope. Do I get off here? Nope. Do I get up here? And I'd just go around and around. So he's navigated me literally and figuratively through the last three decades or more of my life. Well, he's a lovely guy and you're the kind of couple that when I meet, when I see you together, it's so clear um, how much you enjoy each other. And I, to yeah, me, we really do. That's sort of the key to it is you have to be with someone that like, it's not just your lover, but also your best friend, someone that you want to hang out with all the time. What, what's been the single most exciting moment of your life so far? Oh, my gosh. I, I mean, our, our wedding, which, which we've actually now had, we had two of them, one on the East Coast in Fire Island, 
and the other on the West Coast in Palm Springs. <clears throat> Not invited to either. <clears throat> Not invited. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, sorry. You know, you know, they were they were very small. I'm just they kidding. Just family. family. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but, baby. But but I will but I will tell you. So I've had that. I I would say for my career, I had when I won this class that was in front of. Uh, that was in front of 60,000 people and the American flag went up for the first time in 27 years and they played the national anthem for the United States as a, for my career, that would be one of the big highlights. Amazing. We got to leave it there. Robert, the gates of brilliance is available everywhere. Books are sold or downloaded. How can people follow you online? You can go to uh, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram under Robert Dover. Dover's world. Thank you so much for talking uh, to us. I love you. Thank you both so much, Damien and JB. Damien and I are back next week with special guest Marvin Cortez from America's Next Top Model. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to order your ass merch at adamsank.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at adamsank. TikTok, adamsankofficial. Next week, bye. Bye.